Section 32 of The Life of Samuel Johnson, Volume 1 by James Boswell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Collins the Poet, Anno Domini, 1754. Poor dear Collins. Footnote. Collins the Poet was at this time at Oxford on a visit to Mr. Wharton, but labouring under the most deplorable languor of body and dejection of mind. Wharton Boswell. Johnson, writing to Dr. Wharton on March the 8th, 1754, thus speaks of Collins. I knew him a few years ago, full of hopes and full of projects, versed in many languages, high in fancy and strong in retention. This busy and forcible mind is now under the government of those who lately would not have been able to comprehend the least and most narrow of its designs again on december the twenty fourth seventeen fifty four poor dear collins let me know whether you think it would give him pleasure if i should write to him i have often been near his state and therefore have it in great commiseration again on april fifteenth seventeen fifty six that man is no common loss the moralists all talk of the uncertainty of fortune and the transitoriness of beauty but it is yet more dreadful to consider that the powers of the mind are equally liable to change that understanding may make its appearance and depart that it may blaze and expire End of footnote. would a letter give him any pleasure i have a mind to write I am glad of your hindrance in your Spenserian design. Footnote. Of publishing a volume of observations on the best of Spencer's works. It was hindered by my taking pupils in this college, Wharton Boswell. End of footnote. Yet I would not have it delayed. Three hours a day stolen from sleep and amusement will produce it. Let us serve it all. Footnote. Young students of the lowest rank at Oxford are so-called Wharton Boswell, end of footnote, transcribe the quotations and interleave them with references to save time. This will shorten the work and lessen the fatigue. Can I do anything to promoting the diploma? I would not be wanting to cooperate with your kindness, of which, whatever be the effect, I shall be, dear sir, your most obliged, etc. Samuel Johnson, London, November the 28th, 1754. To the same. Dear sir, I am extremely sensible of the favour on me, both by Mr. Wise and yourself. The book, footnote, his dictionary, Wharton Boswell, end of footnote, cannot i think be printed in less than six weeks nor probably so soon and i will keep back the title-page for such an insertion as you seem to promise me be pleased to let me know what money i shall send you for bearing the expense of the affair and i will take care that you may have it ready at your hand i had lately the favour of a letter from your brother with some account of poor Collins, for whom I am much concerned, I have a notion that 
by very great temperance or more properly abstinence he may yet recover Footnote. johnson says that when collins began to feel the approaches of his dreadful malady with the usual weakness of men so diseased he eagerly snatched that temporary relief with which the table and the bottle flatter and seduce End footnote. there is an old english and latin book of poems by barclay called the ship of fools at the end of which are a number of eglogs so he writes it from eglogger footnote petrarch finding nothing in the word eclog of rural meaning supposed it to be corrupted by the copiers and therefore called his own pastorals eclogs by which he meant to express the talk of goatherds though it will mean only the talk of goats this new name was adopted by subsequent writers in the footnote which are probably the first in our language if you cannot find the book i will get mr doddsley to send it to you i shall be extremely glad to hear from you again to know if the affair proceeds footnote of the degree at oxford wharton boswell end of footnote i have mentioned it to none of my friends for fear of being laughed at for my disappointment the death of a wife i tart forty six you know poor mr doddsley has lost his wife i believe he is much affected i hope he will not suffer so much as i yet suffer for the loss of mine oi moi tidi oi moi onetaga pepontamen this verse is from the long-lost bellerophon a tragedy by euripides it is preserved by suidas charles burney alas but wherefore alas man is born to sorrow End of footnote. i have ever since seemed myself broken off from mankind a kind of solitary wanderer in the wild of life without any direction or fixed point of view a gloomy gazer on a world to which i have little relation yet i would endeavour by the help of you and your brother to supply the want of closer union by friendship and hope to have long the pleasure of being dear sir most affectionately yours samuel johnson london december the twenty first seventeen fifty four seventeen fifty five i tart forty six in seventeen fifty five we behold him to great advantage his degree of master of arts conferred upon him his dictionary published his correspondence animated his benevolence exercised land after a vast sea of words anno domini seventeen fifty five to the reverend mr thomas wharton dear sir i wrote to you some weeks ago but believe did not direct it accurately and therefore know not whether you had my letter I would likewise write to your brother, but know not where to find him. I now begin to see land, after having wandered, according to Mr. Warburton's phrase, in this vast sea of words. What reception I shall meet with on the shore I know not. 
whether the sound of bells and acclamations of the people which ariosto talks of in his last canto footnote sento venir per allegrezza un tuono e fremma l'aria e rimbombar falonde o risquille etc orlando furioso end of footnote or a general murmur of dislike i know not whether i shall find upon the coast a calypso that will court or a polypheme that will resist but if polypheme comes have at his eye i hope however the critics will let me be at peace for though i do not much fear their skill and strength i am a little afraid of myself and would not willingly feel so much ill-will in my bosom as literary quarrels are apt to excite mr baretti is about a work for which he is in great want of crescimbeni which you may have again when you please there is nothing considerable done or doing among us here we are not perhaps as innocent as villagers but most of us seem to be as idle i hope however you are busy and shall be glad to know what you are doing i am dearest sir your humble servant samuel johnson london february the fourth seventeen fifty five to the same dear sir i received your letter this day with great sense of the favour that has been done me Footnote. his degree had now passed according to the usual form the suffrages of the heads of colleges but was not yet finally granted by the university it was carried without a single dissentient voice wharton boswell and a footnote for which i return my most sincere thanks and entreat you to pay to mr wise such returns as i ought to make for so much kindness so little deserved i sent mr wise the lexicon and afterwards wrote to him but know not whether he had either the book or letter be so good as to contrive to inquire but why does my dear mr wharton tell me nothing of himself where hangs the new volume footnote on spencer wharton boswell and a footnote can i help let not the past labour be lost for want of a little more but snatch what time you can from the hall and the pupils footnote lord eldon wrote of him poor tom wharton he was a tutor at trinity at the beginning of every term he used to send to his pupils to know whether they would wish to attend lecture that term End of footnote. and the coffee-house and the parks footnote. the fields north of oxford End of footnote. and complete your design i am dear sir etc samuel johnson london february the fourth seventeen fifty five to the same dear sir i had a letter last week from mr wise but have yet heard nothing from you nor know in what state my affair stands footnote of the degree wharton boswell and a footnote of which i beg you to inform me if you can to-morrow by the return of post mr wise sends me word that he has not had the finic lexicon yet which i sent some time ago and if he has it not you must inquire after it however do not let your letter stay for that 
your brother who is a better correspondent than you and not much better sends me word that your pupils keep you in college but do they keep you from writing too let them at least give you time to write to this so your most affectionate etc samuel johnson london february the thirteenth seventeen fifty five Dr. King, I tart forty six to the same. Dear sir, Dr. King, footnote, principal of St. Mary Hall at Oxford, he brought with him the diploma from Oxford, Wharton Boswell. Dr. King says that he was one of the Jacobites who were presented to the pretender when, in September seventeen fifty, he paid a stealthy visit to England. The pretender in 1783 told Sir Horace Mann that he was in London in that very month and year, and had met fifty of his friends, among whom was the Earl of Westmoreland, the future Chancellor of the University of Oxford. Hume places the visit in 1753. See also in Boswell's Hebrides the account of the young pretender. In 1754, writes Lord Shelburne, Dr. King, in his speech upon opening the Radcliffe Library at Oxford before a full theatre, introduced three times the word redeat, pausing each time for a considerable space, during which the most unbounded applause shook the theatre which was filled with a vast body of peers, members of parliament, and men of property. Soon after the rebellion of 1745, speaking of the Duke of Cumberland, he described him as a man qui timet omnia prater deum. I presented this same Dr. King to George the Third in 1760. Dr. King was with me a few minutes before your letter. This, however, is the first instance in which your kind intentions to me have ever been frustrated. Footnote. I suppose Johnson means that my kind intention of being the first to give him the good news of the degree being granted was frustrated, because Dr. King brought it before my intelligence arrived. Wharton Boswell, end of footnote. I have now the full effect of your care and benevolence, and am far from thinking it a slight honour or a small advantage, since it will put the enjoyment of your conversation more frequently in the power of, dear sir, your most obliged and affectionate Samuel Johnson. P.S. I have enclosed a letter to the Vice-Chancellor, which you will read, and if you like it, seal and give him. London, February 1755. The Chancellor of Oxford's Letter, Anno Domini, 1755. As the public will doubtless be pleased to see the whole progress of this well-earned academical honour, I shall insert the Chancellor of Oxford's Letter to the University, footnote, extracted from the Convocation Register, Oxford, Boswell, end of footnote, the Diploma, and Johnson's Letter of Thanks to the Vice-Chancellor. To the Reverend Dr. Huddersford, Vice-Chancellor of the University of Oxford, to be communicated to the heads of houses and proposed in convocation. 
Mr. Vice-Chancellor and Gentlemen, Mr. Samuel Johnson, who was formerly of Pembroke College, having very eminently distinguished himself by the publication of a series of essays excellently calculated to form the manners of the people, and in which the cause of religion and morality is everywhere maintained by the strongest powers of argument and language, and who shortly intends to publish a dictionary of the English tongue formed on a new plan, and executed with the greatest labour and judgment, I persuade myself that I shall act agreeably to the sentiments of the whole university, in desiring that it may be proposed in convocation to confer on him the degree of Master of Arts by Diploma, to which I readily give my consent, and am, Mr. Vice-Chancellor and Gentlemen, your affectionate friend and servant, Aaron. Grosvenor Street, February the 4th, 1755, Term City, Hilari, 1755. Footnote. The Earl of Arran, the last male of the illustrious House of Ormond, was the third Chancellor in succession that that family had given to the University. The first of the three, the famous Duke of Ormond, had on his death in 1688 been succeeded by his grandson, the young Duke, Macaulay's England. He, on his impeachment and flight from England in 1715, was succeeded by his brother, the Earl of Arran, Richardson, writing in 1754, said of the university, Forty years ago it chose a Chancellor in despite of the present reigning family, whose whole merit was that he was the brother of a perjured yet weak rebel. On Aaron's death in 1758, the Earl of Westmoreland, old, dull Westmoreland, as Walpole calls him, was elected. It was at his installation that Johnson clapped his hands till they were sore at Dr. King's speech. I hear, wrote Walpole, of what he calls the coronation at Oxford, my Lord Westmoreland's own retinue was all bejamesed with true blue ribbons. It is remarkable that this nobleman, who in early life was a Whig, had commanded the body of troops which George I had been obliged to send to Oxford to teach the university the only kind of passive obedience which they did not approve. Walpole's George the Second, end of footnote. Diploma Magistri Johnson, Itard 46. Diploma Magistri Johnson, Cancellarius Magistri et Scholarius Universitatis Oxaliensis, Omnibus ad quos hoc presens scriptum preveneret, Salutum in Dominus Epiternum. Cum eum in finem gradis academici a maioribus nostris instituti fuerent, ut viri in genio et doctrinae praestantes, titulus quoque prata ceteros insegnerento, cumque vir doctissimus Samuel Johnson, e collegia pembrociensi, scriptis suis popularium mores informantibus durem, Literato orbi inotuerit, quin et linguae patricae tum onandae tum stabriendae, lexicons gilicet anglicanum sumo studio, 
sumoase iudicio congestum, propridio meritura setiam nunc, utilissimam impender operam, nos igitur cancellarius magistri et scolares antedicti, ne virum de literis humanioribus optime meritum diurius in honoratum praeteriamus in solemni convocatione doctorum magistorum regentium et nom regentium decimorie mensis februarii anno domini millesimo septigentesimo quintagesimo quinto habitu praefatum virum samuelum johnson Consperantibus omnium suffragis, magistrum in artibus, renunciavimus et constituimus, eumque virtute praesentes diplomatis, singulus juribus privilegis et honoribus ad istum gradum, quoqua pertinentibus, frui et gaudere iusimus. In curius rei testimonium, Siculum Universitatis Oxoniensis praesentibus apponi fecimus. Datum in domo nostra convocationis die vicesima mensis februari anno domini praedicto. Diploma supra scriptum per registrarium lectum erat et ex decreto venerabilis domis communi universitatis siculum muntum. Footnote. The original is in my possession. Boswell, end of footnote. Johnson's Letter of Thanks, Anno Domini, 1755. Domo Doctori Hartsford Oxoniensis Academiae Vice Cancellario. Ingratus plane et tibi et mihi videa, nisi quantum me gaudio affecerint quos nupe mihi honores te credo autore decrevit senatus academicus literarum quod lamen nihil levius officio significem in gratis etiam nisi comitatem qua vie eximius we may conceive what a high gratification it must have been to johnson to receive his diploma from the hands of the great Dr. King, whose principles were so congenial with his own. Boswell, end of footnote. Mihi vestri testimonium amoris in manus tradidit, agnoscam et laudem. Si quides dundere iam grata acidi gratia, hoc ipso magis mihi placet, quod eo tempere in ordines academicos de nuo cooptatusim, quod tuam iminuere autoritatem, famamque auxonii laedere. Johnson here alludes, I believe, to the charge of disloyalty brought against the university at the time of the famous contested election for Oxfordshire in 1754. A copy of treasonable verses was found, it was said, near the marketplace in Oxford, and the grand jury made a presentment thereon. We must add, they concluded, that it is the highest aggravation of this crime to have a libel of a nature so false and scandalous published in a famous university, etc. A reward of two hundred pounds was offered in the London Gazette for the detection of the writer or publisher. End of footnote. Omnibus modus conanto homines vafri, 
nec tamen acuti, quibus ego prot viro umbratico liquit semperistiti semperistiturus, qui enem has rerum pocellas, vel tibi, vel academia defurit, ilum virtuti et literis, sibique et posteris, de futurum existimo. Samuel Johnson to the Reverend Mr. Thomas Wharton, dear sir, after I received my diploma, I wrote you a letter of thanks with the letter to the Vice Chancellor, and sent another to Mr. Wise. But have heard from nobody since, and begin to think myself forgotten. It is true I sent you a double letter. Footnote. A single letter was a single piece of paper. A second piece of paper, however small or any enclosure constituted a double letter. It was not the habit to prepay the postage. The charge for a single letter to Oxford at this time was threepence, which was gradually increased till in 1812 it was footnote. And you may fear an expensive correspondent, but I would have taken it kindly if you had returned it treble. And what is a double letter? to a petty king that having fellowship and fines can sleep without a modus in his head footnote the words in italics are allusions to passages in mr wharton's poem called the progress of discontent now lately published wharton boswell and now intent on new designs sighs for a fellowship and fines these Fellowships are pretty things. We live indeed like petty kings. And every night I went to bed without a modus in my head. End of footnote. Dear Mr. Wharton, let me hear from you and tell me something. I care not what, so I hear it but from you. Something I will tell you. I hope to see my dictionary bound and lettered next week. Vasta mole superbus. And I have a great mind to come to Oxford at Easter, but you will not invite me. Shall I come uninvited, or stay here, where nobody perhaps would miss me if I went? A hard choice. But such is the world too, dear sir, your etc. Samuel Johnson, London, March the 20th, 1755. A projected review, Itart 46, to the same. Dear Sir, though not to write when a man can write so well is an offence sufficiently heinous, yet I shall pass it by. I am very glad that the Vice-Chancellor was pleased with my note. I shall impatiently expect you at London that we may consider what to do next. I intend in the winter to open a bibliothèque, and remember that you are to subscribe a sheet a year. Let us try likewise if we cannot persuade your brother to subscribe another. My book is now coming in Luminis Oras, footnote, Lucretius, end of footnote. What will be its fate I know not, nor think much, because thinking is to no purpose. It must stand the censure of the great vulgar and the small. Footnote. 
hence ye profane i hate ye all both the great vulgar and the small cowley's imitation of horace odes and a footnote of those that understand it and that understand it not but in all this i suffer not alone every writer has the same difficulties and perhaps every writer talks of them more than he thinks you will be pleased to make my compliments to all my friends be so kind at every idle hour as to remember dear sir your etc samuel johnson london march the twenty fifth seventeen fifty five end of section thirty two